Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hello, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. You know me, I'm Gareth Watkins, coming to you as always from just outside the mobile studio, deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, where it's a bit breezy today. And I thought I'd step outside to record, so forgive me if uh, the audio quality isn't quite there. There's a bit of uh, invasion from the wind, because it is a bit breezy today. But I was determined to come outside and stretch my legs. I've been sat at my desk all morning doing work, and my back's aching, my lower back, and my legs are stiff. I just needed to get out and... Just have a stretch and pace up and down and record the intro for you because uh, I feel like I needed to clear a few cobwebs. Because let's face it, this season has not been what the majority of us were hoping for, has it? I think that's fair to say. I say some of us because I, I do know in fairness a lot of you are enjoying it and are on board with what's happening and that's great. That's absolutely great and fine. For me, I'm I'm not in the camp of, of those who are really down on the season because there's been a lot this year so far that I've really enjoyed. There's been plenty of great moments, plenty of great dialogue. There's been some wonderful performances, not least from Jennifer Carpenter. But just the general pace of the season, some of the writing has been a bit... Well, we've questioned it, haven't we? We've questioned some of the logic. And, uh, you know, we'll get into more of the details, more of the nitty-gritty as we go through this podcast, and I'll get into the review. And, of course, we'll have your feedback. But my my personal feeling where I am now, it's this the, the wave of negativity about the season throughout the viewing community, the online community, it's been gaining momentum, and it's been getting to me. I mean, I'm not in a position where I'm, you know, wanting to go and see a doctor about it or anything. You know, I haven't lost my appetite, and I certainly haven't lost my appetite for watching the show. Far from it. And I still have optimism that it's going to get better. It's just that I think a lot of us, most of us, maybe even all of us, we're wanting a season with high tension, high drama, high emotion, a bit of action, but mostly tension and suspense, as I think we all thought the season would be the net growing ever tighter around Dexter, closing in. Um, Dexter in jeopardy, how often do we say that when the show's at its best? I think we all agree that that's when it's at its best. Look back at when the show's been really great in the past. It's been when Dexter's in jeopardy. In danger of being caught. And we just haven't really had that this season. Now, that's not to say it's not coming, because it might be. But, I don't know, I think we were expecting more tension by now. And there have been moments of tension, but it's not been consistent. And I don't think we were expecting this slow build. This slow burn, and that's probably what it is. I'm sure we're building up to something. Something impactful and dramatic in the last three or four episodes but 
Yeah, I mean, I I do believe very strongly that the writers didn't want to screw it up at the end. They wanted to. I mean, they've a lot of the writers who were there have been there since season one. They don't want to screw it up at the end. They want the show to be the best it can, and we want the show to be the best it can. So we have that in common. But, of course, it's the writers that are in control. And, and like someone pointed out last week, um, Scott Singleton, was it, who said that uh, this is their show. That they're telling the story that they want to tell, not the story that we want to hear, necessarily. And, obviously, in an ideal world, those two things would be the same. But this is the story they want to tell, and, and as I touched on last week, with in the case of Lost, was the example I gave that uh, the conclusion of a show split the audience. Uh, the conclusion of that show split the audience. Uh, a lot of people really feeling let down, pretty much entirely by that last season. Um, and I hope Dexter's not going to go the same way. I really do. But this negativity has. Uh, it's been like a bit of a cloud, really, uh, and, it, and it does taint things when I'm podcasting about it, because I don't want to be all negative. I know a lot of you listen to this show, and I do try to... You don't listen to this show just to hear me pissing all over it, and I'm not, I'm not about to. You know me. I do try to stay positive. I try to be optimistic. Trust the show is the mantra, and um, I do try to... Uh, emphasize the positives as well as not letting the show get away for the negative with the negatives but um i do try to present a balanced view and i hope on the most part i achieve that but it's become a bit it's become a tougher job to do that over the last couple of weeks and um obviously the, the as i say the wave of negativity has has been gaining momentum gaining acceleration and i know a lot of you and, and a lot of a lot of you who have always been in support of the show, even when it's not been so great, you've still tried to remain positive. And even some of you guys, you know who you are, um, you've been feeling negative as well. And it's such a shame. Such a shame. Um, but I'm really hoping things will improve. And I still believe they will. Uh, I, I just think overall, maybe this season won't go down as one as the great, as one of the greats. But I hope it can salvage itself by having one of the greatest conclusions of any season. Maybe one of the greatest conclusions of any TV show. Now that would be good. Okay. Enough, enough of my therapy. I needed to get that off my chest. <laughs> Let's get into this week's episode. Let's not hang around any longer. Season 8, episode 8. Are we there yet? Written by Wendy West, who I have bigged up on many occasions before as one of, who I believe one of the best writers on the Dexter staff. Uh, she's written some iconic episodes, not least the, the famous Thanksgiving episode back in season four. Directed by Holly Dale, who returns to Dexter for her second directorial outing. Here we go. Okay, so I recorded that introduction before watching this episode, and maybe that was wrong of me, but I'm thinking, I was a bit pressed for time for recording this week, I'll get the intro done on the Monday, I've got to go to the post office on Tuesday, blah blah blah. <laughs> anyway, so I left the intro in because I thought it was funny, <laughs> because it contrasts 
my attitude before and after watching Are We There Yet? I really was starting to get the tinges of doubt in my mind, even though I had confidence that the writers wouldn't screw things up in this final season. It's just the way things had been going. Now, obviously, my disappointment uh, was will have been shining through <laughs> through that intro, um, as 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 that <laughs> quote unquote wave of negativity was threatening to engulf me too, um, despite my best efforts to uh, to stay positive on the podcast. I still feel that the slower burn this season is not what a large chunk of the audience was expecting or wanted. But things are now taking shape for the final run-in, and this really was a stronger episode. So, with that little caveat, as regards to my intro, <laughs> let me say, yes, I am so relieved. It's been a bugbear of mine for weeks, as you know. I've harped on about it week after week, refusing to believe that Yates was the brain surgeon, and... I was threatening to tear the show a new one if we were expected to believe he was. How many times have we said, trust the show? Trust the writers. And I'm so glad that this didn't turn into something that would taint the final season for me. To be fair, it still makes Dexter look a bit silly that he would believe Yates would be two different types of killer at the same time. But in hindsight, we now know that Vogel was more aware of what was going on than she'd led us to believe and led Dexter to believe. So, if she didn't question Yates as the brain surgeon, maybe that encouraged Dexter to buy it too. I don't know. Still a little bit sloppy on his part. But I can't tell you how pleased I was when we heard that song playing as Dexter opened his door. Make your own kind of music. There, Sandra, does that count? <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm overjoyed at Zack being killed, but this was overshadowed by my relief that the writers didn't drop the ball on this. Trust the show, guys. And it wasn't just this that lifted this episode above the previous couple. The episode was nicely paced with some really compelling scenes. Moments of humour, human drama, good old-fashioned love, albeit through an unconventional pairing. There are a couple of things that bothered me, though, and we'll get to those, both to do with Dex and Hannah. First, let's touch on the broader themes of the episode, the broader arc, with a journey for Dexter in more ways than one. He set out intending to kill Zack, in the belief that he'd now killed two innocents, he's got out of control, he's got to go. Through the episode, he found out Zack was innocent of Cassie's murder, and was actually starting to try and follow the code, in a fashion. Dexter was quietly impressed, I think, and later we had that fascinating dinner scene with this bizarre family of sorts sitting around the table, all maybe psychos in their own way. In fact, I would go so far as to say that Hannah, in hindsight, might have been the most normal of them. Almost definitely so. But the other arc was the rekindling of Dex and Hannah's love, like it or not. Love is many a splendid thing, <laughs> and it comes in many forms, not least Dexter's arse, which frankly I could have done without having to look at in HD for quite so long. 
did that sex scene go on a little bit too long? <laughs> I'm far from being a prude, but as the scene went on and the thrusting started, I felt a bit uncomfortable. I mean, we got the idea of what was going to happen as soon as he took his shirt off. It's like, OK, they're going to get down to it. We didn't need Michael C. Hall's bum and airbrushed nipples for quite that long. OK, we got to one of my two main issues with this episode right away. But that's all right. Let's get on to the next one, shall we, while I'm at it. Right from the off this week, it's clear that Dexter's mind is completely filled with thoughts of Hannah. All those feelings have come flooding back to him to engulf him again and potentially cloud his judgment again. Although, as we talked about a lot last year, this is completely normal and human. But my second issue is that there is still the elephant in the room. And in hindsight, at the end of this episode, I'm starting to wonder whether it matters that much now. But Hannah tried to kill Deb. Dex chose Deb over Hannah as a result, yet he seems to have forgiven and forgotten. And maybe that's human too. When love is so strong, we will forgive people their transgressions. But in this case, it's quite a doozy. But then again, these are not your average human beings involved here, so perhaps we can account for the lack of addressing this issue. But for me, I'd have, I'd have liked a conversation between them, just clearing the air about it. Maybe even Dexter just saying, look, I forgive you. So that bothered me a bit. But really, putting these two things together, they don't honestly detract from the episode all that much. And I'd rate it as one of the best of the season so far. So, in the opening, Dexter immediately suspects Zack as Cassie's killer. We wonder if Cassie's boyfriend Oliver might be a suspect, but he seems to have an alibi. Dexter notes how the kill was impulsive. I wondered if maybe Cassie was breaking up with him, then Oliver lied to Quinn later on. He exaggerated how close they were, how well things were going, saying about how fast things were moving. Last week, when she spoke to Deb, Cassie painted a different picture. What we do know, though, is that Zack didn't kill Cassie. Dexter spends the first part of the episode finding out. And after meeting with Hannah again, he takes her on a road trip, which unfortunately leads him to lie to Deb about it. Of course, Deb knows the truth because of the tracker, and it must hurt that Hannah turns up and he's lying to her about it. Feelings of betrayal might be starting to fester. But as if we needed reminding that theirs is not a conventional love affair, Hannah tells Dexter she saw a spot of blood that they missed, and it made her think of him. Oh, how romantic. Blood made her think of him. But Dexter knows what should happen. Hannah needs to get out of Dodge. But of course, his head's telling him one thing and his heart's telling him another. And this notion flows throughout the episode. So they went off on their road trip. Oh yeah, <laughs> there was that little moment between Dex and Quinn. I should just mention, as we suspected last week, Quinn noticed the similarities between Cassie and Norma's murders and fancies Zack for both of them. Had the episode not ended the way it did, our theory that Quinn would follow Zack again and link him to Dexter might have been a strong possibility. On the road trip, there's a lot of dialogue between Dex and Hannah. 
and I quite like the chit-chat. A lot of it was going over what we know, but it was nice to see two characters talking about what's going on, Dexter filling her in. And on the beach, eating shrimp, there was some nice conversation there too. Hannah giving a nod to the audience when she pointed out about Dexter having these little phrases in his head for what he does. And they have an almost jokey thing about humorous names for each other. Dexter says he just thinks of her as Hannah. It's almost romantic in his own little way, and I do honestly find myself warming to them as a couple again, despite everything that's happened. Yes, I know, so shoot me. <laughs> but maybe I'm a romantic at heart, or maybe I just want Dexter to be happy in the end. You know, I bet I'm saying some of the exact same things that I was last season, and I don't think it's a bad thing that we're addressing this again. But this time... Hannah's okay with coexisting with Deb, although if Deb ends up back in the police, that may soon change if Deb goes after her. A lot has happened since Dex and Hannah were last together. I think Dex would be, would be more open to the idea of leaving Miami if it means he and Hannah can be together in safety, although where Harrison would fit into that, well, I don't know. <laughs> I liked how Dexter tracked Zack through his schoolboy error, using his credit card like he did. Then, when he caught up with him, he pulled him apart for his lack of a thought-through plan. I almost felt sorry for Zack, made to look like a total amateur, which of course he is. I think Dexter felt a little sorry for him, but he was also quite impressed that Zack was making efforts to do things properly, follow some sort of code killing someone who deserved it, who'd got away with murder. Perhaps there was hope for him. Did you notice the um, that, that Zack was wearing the same colour top as Dexter's kill shirt? Nice touch, I thought, him trying to emulate Dexter in that way. And of course, we got confirmation that Zack didn't kill Cassie. He was out following the code without even realising it. I had to chuckle when he showed Dexter the corpse in the back of his car particularly the buzzing fly sound effect. <laughs> it's darkly comical, Dexter quickly shutting the lid as he takes charge of the situation in his typical cool and calm organised fashion. I liked how Zack showed his youth with his smirk as Hannah walked away and Dexter's response. Can you deal with the room? We shouldn't be more than a few hours. Yeah, drive safe. Dude. Do not dude me. Get in the car. Watch yourself in the door handle. Cut myself in that piece of shit a few days ago. Have you cut yourself on this handle before? No. Is that somehow how Zach's blood ended up under Cassie's nails? Uh, blood all over the place. Look. <sighs> Fuck me, gloves. Just put your seatbelt on. I loved his comment about gloves too. He just stopped short of slapping himself across the forehead. So, leaving Hannah alone, you just knew Deb would catch up with her, having followed the tracker. I was just a bit worried about what would kick off. But what did kick off was a compelling scene with some nice work from Strahovski and Carpenter. Deb thinking she has the upper hand, but actually is pretty impotent in terms of what she can legally do. So, it's a bit of a stalemate, but it 
gives Hannah a chance to speak to her about things, things we do to survive in extreme situations. Now, we know Hannah has a bit of a history with offing people who are in her way. Whether they can all be described as extreme situations, I'm not so sure, but of course Hannah's flawed in her own way with killer tendencies but unlike Dexter she doesn't enjoy it and doesn't exhibit all the same psychopathic traits although I think we can agree she does tick some of the boxes however her argument does resonate with Deb and you can see her resolve wavering Hannah says sometimes killing is the only way she knows how to resolve a problem when someone's when someone threatens her but she also says she loves Dexter and he loves her and she wouldn't ever hurt Deb because she knows how much she means to him. This jolts Deb, having this come from Hannah. During the conversation, we cut to Dexter talking to Harry in the car and one line jumped out at me that could give Dexter hope for the future. Hope that he can change. Hope that he can conquer his darkness. Harry says, and I may be paraphrasing, forgive me, he says... There's a stronger desire in you now, stronger than the need to kill. You can see on Dexter's face, this is quite an idea. Perhaps his love for Hannah, if he embraces it completely, perhaps it could ultimately replace his need to kill. Provide enough personal fulfilment so that he doesn't have any desire to kill anymore. That's quite something, but... Unfortunately, I fear it may feed into some eventual tragedy in the show because I just can't see things ending with everyone happy, alive and well. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> when Dexter bursts in on the two ladies, I loved his comment, You're both still breathing. That's a good sign. <laughs> I also like Deb just walking out like, I just don't want to know what the fuck's going on here. Nice withdrawal, Deb. And then Zack again gets a good line as he looks out after Deb about Dex having girls fighting over him. I guess Zack doesn't have a lot of experience with the opposite sex. I liked... I appreciated how they humanised him more in this episode. But I guess that made what happened at the end more impactful because we might have started to like him. And maybe the fact that they were humanising him more was a telegraph as to what was to come. Going back to Deb, I thought she had an interesting arc this episode. In that opening scene, they lay it on a bit about it being good to see her at a crime scene. Batista says something like, the door's always open. And it got me thinking that actually, going back to her old job might be the best thing for her. And as the episode went on and we saw those conversations between her and Elway, my feeling became more concrete. She's not in it for the money this PI work. She likes the satisfaction of doing the job, catching bad guys, bringing people to justice, upholding the law. Now, obviously, there's an irony there now, but she could really throw herself back into police work, be with people she knows and trusts again. I think working alongside Batista and Quinn again would be really good for her. The banter with Masuka. The downside would be the ghost of LaGuerta, but... Maybe now she could cope with that. Now she's been to the depths of despair and come out the other side. But she is tainted by this desperation to be rid of Hannah. Ideally, she'd like her dead. But 
just gone from Miami forever. Will do. Um, her conversations with Dex about her are uncomfortable. She's full of snarky remarks, bitterness, and we can't blame her at all, can we? None of us would feel particularly charitable towards someone who tried to kill us, would we? Deb's got every right to hate her and want her gone, but again, Dex is going to be Dex is going to be torn in two, with divided loyalties. So, Deb pulled Elway into the mix, tempting him by the big reward being offered for Hannah's capture. And through this, we get the divide between Deb and Elway, and it wakes her up to what she really wants from her working life. Elway wants the big bucks, but that's not what drives Deb. It never has. She was always driven by a sense of justice, clear ideas of right and wrong. She shattered those ideals with what she did, but maybe she can get some of it back and redeem herself. I really would like that for the character, and maybe that's a happy end point for her in the finale. Back in the police force, maybe free from Dexter if he skips town with Hannah. Maybe they end up in Argentina. Deb, looking at her old uniform at the end of the episode, suggests strongly that she's going to go back, or at least seriously considering it. Back to Dexter, and we've got another intriguing dinner scene, something that the show does very well. Dinner at Dr Vogel's, and it looks like she makes a mean shepherd's pie. So, there was Dexter, Vogel, Zack and Hannah, all around the table like some very bizarre family. Deb should have been there too, that would have been fun. First thing to jump out in this scene was this. Well, so you have a fascinating field. How did you get interested in it? Oh, an incident long ago that I won't bore you with. As to what keeps me interested, well, look around the table. Elbows. Elbows. That was funny. Who does she think he is? His mother? <laughs> But Vogel clearly hesitates at the question, jarred by something she was remembering. An incident. Now, I don't think for a second that this line was there by accident. We've all had suspicions about Vogel at different times, especially earlier in the season. We've even toyed with the idea that she's the brain surgeon, despite the surgeon really needing more physical strength to have done what they did. But is she involved? I'm sure we'll find out what this, what this incident was, and that it's possible we may find out she's possibly a psychopath herself. And with the way the episode ended, I'd say this is looking more likely than ever. They go on to analyse Dexter's photos of Cassie's murder scene and consider the possibility that Zack was framed. Dexter found his blood under Cassie's fingernails. Zack's car door handle cut his fingers, but did someone sharpen the handle on purpose so he'd cut himself, allowing them to get his blood sample to plant at the scene? Now, given that we've seen Vogel is most likely involved with the brain surgeon now, if not the brain surgeon herself, what would she gain by killing Cassie? And more importantly, what does she gain by setting up Zack? Was she gambling on Dexter finding the evidence, pegging Zack, Zack is out of control and going to kill him. I don't know, because last week Vogel was wanting to try him with the code, and all indications have been suggesting there might be positive results. So I'm a bit puzzled about the motive. Maybe we'll have some theories from you guys in the feedback today.
So the sequence ends with Dexter asking Vogel to give Zack a lift home, something that obviously ends in his demise. Dexter discovering his body after giving in to desire with Hannah, consummating their rekindled romance. Like I said, they overdid the skin for me, but the moments before were just sizzling with sexual tension, their eyes locked and burning into each other. You just knew what was coming. At least it wasn't on the kill table this time, eh, Travis? So, Dexter returns home, and that song is playing again. Don't worry, I won't sing it again. Make your own kind of music. The third time we've heard it this season. But what was it playing on? Was it just an MP3 player or an iPhone? If a phone, whose phone? It won't have been Dexter's. Maybe this will give him a clue, but poor Zack. That's the end of him. Any plans for a spin-off about him are as dead as the character. The only spinning he's doing is round and round on Dexter's chair. Who immediately picks up the phone to ring Vogel, who we see is holding a bit of what we assume is Zack's brain in a jar. Dexter dumps his body in the ocean. But I wonder if there'll be any fallout next week. Won't his parents wonder where he is? It's quite a high-profile family. Word gets round that he's missing and Deb's ears will prick up. Of course, Dexter could be honest with her because she was involved with killing Yates. But the parents ought to be asking questions. But the episode ends with Dexter giving into his heart. Something that might stick in the throat of fans who don't like her. But his heart overrules his head. The right thing to do might be just to let her go. But as we see Elway on the phone to someone about Hannah, we realise it could be extra dangerous for her to stick around in Miami. I mean, it was dangerous anyway, but more so now if Elway's tipped someone off. And who is he speaking to? I still think it's looking very likely, or certainly very possible, that he was involved with El Sapo's murder. He might have some dodgy friends who specialise in finding people. I don't imagine Deb will mind him pursuing Hannah, but it could put her and Dexter further at odds. As Dexter asks Hannah to stay with him, the look on his face was a picture. You could see the conflict. He knows it's dangerous, but he's giving in to the most basic of emotions. A very human thing to do. This man, he's more human now than he's ever been. So, a pretty good episode, given the previous couple. As I said, things are really taking shape for our final run-in. We've had probable confirmation that Vogel is indeed up to no good, but the question is whether she's acting alone. And what about Cassie's murder? Who did that? The smart money seems to be on Oliver Saxon, but given that it looks like it was a frame job for Zack, and looking at how Zack ended the episode, if this is the case, it's quite possible that Oliver could be working with Vogel. It would account for who did the donkey work, lugging heavy bodies around. I really welcome this upturn, obviously, as I'm sure a lot of you do. I was getting very concerned about things, as so many of us were, but the old mantra so far seems to be coming back to bite us and the show is taking an upturn. This is the story the writers want to tell, and if they wanted to go out with a slow build this season, then I guess... I guess we have to respect that, don't we? Honestly, as long as the payoff is worth it, I think I'll be okay with that. What did you guys think?
Listener Feedback. Okay, now for your feedback this week, I'm sorry guys, it's been one of those weeks where I got my review recorded uh, bang on schedule on Tuesday, which is perfect, it gives me three days for the rest of the week to uh, go through your feedback and it allows for any hiccups, any issues at work that mean I can't record or, you know, stuff like that, a pretty good contingency. Unfortunately this week I've had two days, Wednesday, Thursday this week, where, um, well, Wednesday it was family stuff, yesterday it was, Thursday, I'm recording Friday now, uh, yesterday, Thursday, I was out all day for work, uh, out in the field, so just no chance to, uh, to do any prep or recording. So I've lost two days, unfortunately it means that, um, I'm reduced to just one, uh, small slot now on Friday when I can record your feedback, which doesn't leave me any time to record my responses to your feedback. Uh, as you know, one of my favourite aspects of doing this podcast is that I can interact with you guys and respond to all of your feedback. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to happen today, although I dare say as I go through, there may be the odd um, comment that I, I want to make as we go. It certainly won't be as such in-depth responses as you're used to. So uh, apologies to those of you who have, have phoned in, uh, emailed in this week, um, and expecting or presuming I'll be responding in the usual way. So again, sorry. Um, but I will go through all your feedback. Uh, so here we go without any wasting any more time. Uh, on Facebook, Barry Spath posted to say, Holy Hannah, Batman, I did not see that coming at the end. So long, Apprentice. Can't say I'm at all sorry to see him go. Who didn't guess? Who didn't guess that the brain surgeon was still around? But the setup is that Dr. Vogel is the brain surgeon. She was seemingly the last one to see the apprentice alive, but I don't buy it. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say the brain surgeon is Deb's boss. Just my two cents. We'll see. Overall, one of the best episodes this season. Action, drama, some good chuckles, surprises, good twists. Also on Facebook, Matt Battle said, Now that was an improvement. From feeling despondent and underwhelmed to on tender hooks in the space of a single episode, ramping up the tension to make for a thrilling final act. Trust the show. Tommy Shelton, also on Facebook, said, I have, I have some hope that they'll close it out nicely after the way this one ended. Just disappointed we didn't have a breakneck pace all season like Breaking Bad is doing. I really think the short break in between seasons hurt more than helped. Don Matthews posted, I think Harrison could end up with Deb or even Jamie and Quinn. I also think there's a possibility Harrison could end up in Argentina with Hannah and Dexter. I remember Hannah really wanted kids and her husband didn't want any. Also, Harrison seems to like Hannah. It probably is best Harrison isn't with Dexter and Hannah though, unless Dexter finally realises he doesn't have to kill anymore, which is, which I think is what will happen. This is my theory, but it is really more just what I want to happen, not what I think is probably going to happen. I just don't want Dexter killed or arrested, and he's finally happy. Finally on Facebook, Scott Singleton said, Wonder what you all wanted from this season. I love it so far, but I see a lot that don't. Masuka's daughter stuff, I think, was just put in there for a laugh or two and give Masuka something to do. But I'm less critical than most, I guess. Hell, I love season five. Six, not so much, but I still loved watching it. Cheers, Scott. I agree with you about Masuka's daughter. It's, I think she's in there just to give Masuka something a little bit more than pure comic relief this season. And maybe to flesh out the character a little bit more for a possible spin-off, although after this week's episode, I, I don't know what that's going to entail. 
Jumping to email, Sheila Jones, uh, first-time contributor from California, an ex-Brit. Uh, she emailed to say, As an avid fan of Dexter, I've been really disappointed in this last series. Prior to the first episode, Showtime showed all four previous series of Dexter, four episodes every Friday night, and I watched and thoroughly enjoyed all of them, and was full of anticipation when this last series started. What a letdown. Are we sure that the same people are writing this series, because it doesn't seem like it? I watched the first five episodes and did not think any of them were up to scratch. Then our cable provider, Time Warner, got in a dispute with Showtime and stopped showing the Showtime channels. So I'm keeping up to date with Dexter by listening to your podcasts, and quite frankly, I'm enjoying them much more than the actual TV show. Wow, Sheila, thanks. <laughs> Are you saying that my prep on the podcast is better than the Dexter writing? <laughs> That's quite a compliment. But yeah, I know that's a big problem for a lot of viewers in North America with this Time Warner dispute. That is a biggie. Uh, Sheila goes on to say, My ideal ending to the series would be that Dexter kills Deborah, and then, full of remorse, kills himself. And Hannah gets blamed for both murders. And then Harrison can go and live with his grandparents and half-siblings and never know that his dad was a serial killer. While Jennifer Carpenter is a great actress, after one episode of Deb's self-pity and loathing, I was hoping that she would kill herself, and I would have been happy to see her drown when she drove the car off the road. About the Dexter wrap-up you mentioned with Masuka and his daughter. After five minutes, I had to turn it off as the daughter talked like a stereotypical California teen, and it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I agree with your listeners who mentioned Breaking Bad. The first episode of the last series, shown last week, was so great, maybe the writers of that show should have, li should have, asked, should have been asked to co-write the last series of Dexter. Thanks, Sheila. Staying with the emails, we go to Dublin, where Matt has emailed, to say, Where to begin? I suppose I'll start with Vogel. The writers, to be fair to them, did a decent enough job of throwing us off the scent that they laid out in front of us from episodes 1 and 2. Vogel has been involved the whole time and will ultimately prove to be the biggest danger Dexter has ever faced. Another use of make your own kind of music, hopefully to be explained by Vogel before the end. Interesting that she sidestepped that question about how she got into being a psychopath whisperer from Hannah. It will be intriguing to find out her shipping container moment and how she became a psychopath. I assume it's safe to call her one now. I don't know whether she's the psychopath, Matt, but um, I think it's likely she's going to end up ticking some of the boxes. I don't know. For me, the jury's still out on that one. I think she's in cahoots with somebody else, and um, I think there's two possible candidates. Matt goes on to say, On to Deb, I couldn't help but feel sorry for her in the scene in Zack's hideout. Looked at the end like she just needs a break from Dex for a while. The tension is starting to build between her and Elway now, possibly culminating in a violent, a violent reaction from Elway, especially if she just jumped ship back to homicide after all those electrolytes he's given her. As for Quinn, could he have planted Zack's blood at the crime scene, or even committed the murder himself just to frame Zack? Masuka suggested that Cassie knew the killer as she was near the back of her apartment, and Cassie did know Quinn from that double date way back when. If he did just plant the evidence, surely Dexter will come back into his radar after he told Quinn there was no trace of Zack at the scene. I was sure that Cassie's boyfriend Oliver was going to point Quinn in Dexter's direction after he saw Zack and Dex before going skinny-dipping with Cassie. I suppose Quinn will find a different reason to look in Dexter's direction. That is assuming he doesn't already know about him, and is just turning a blind eye because of his feelings for Deb. Side note, again I was watching back over an episode or two during the week and while Quinn and Dex are tailing Zack, Quinn says something along the lines of 
all the all cops have the shits if you dig deep enough, right? You know about you know that as much as anybody, eh, Dex? Could be nothing, but make of that little quip what you will. I can see an ending now in which every main character in the show is on to Dexter. Quinn from Dex's antics with Zack, maybe Batista because of the renewed search for Hannah. Masuka's daughter could maybe catch Dex doing something he shouldn't be in the lab, causing Masuka's suspicion, and who knows what Vogel's motive is. After a disappointing last two weeks by most accounts, I was very happy with this episode and glad that they didn't just bring in Zack for a cheap potential spin-off character right at the end. After the writers allayed our fears that the brain surgeon really was Yates, I think those that have been questioning the, questioning the whereabouts of the jewels and El Sapo's killer may be answered as new twists and secrets begin to emerge. Thanks very much, Matt. And, um, oh, I, f- I don't think I said thanks to Sheila, the previous email. Apologies for that. Um, some very good points there. I think you're right to be a bit optimistic that maybe some of these dangling plot threads that we've picked the show up on... Uh, like the brain surgeon, uh, are starting to come back, and um, hopefully we'll have those loose ends tied up about the jewels and El Sapo's murderer a bit later on. Um, interesting theory there about maybe Quinn planting the evidence of Zack's blood under Cassie's fingernails. Yeah, very interesting theory. Um, I can't see Quinn as being Cassie's murderer, though. That doesn't seem like Quinn's M.O. at all, but um, I don't know. My, my favourite for that one is still Oliver, I think, as as we stand now. Um, and that maybe Oliver is in cahoots with Vogel. Possibly in cahoots with Vogel and, and Vogel's husband. But that's a good theory about Quinn, planting the evidence. I like that. And when Dex comes back and, and, and his report says um, no trace of Zack at the crime scene... Uh, Quinn's surprise that Dex missed something so obvious may be that uh, his conclusion will be that Dex hid the evidence. If so, why? Leading to more questions. Um, It could be that the net closes in from every direction by the end of the season in that all our supporting characters start to suspect him in some way or that they start along a path that can only lead to Dex or maybe Deb and Dex by association. Okay, same with emails. Tom in Poland says, So I don't quite get where is all that hate for Hannah coming from. I mean, all the scenes with her and Dexter are so good. There are some constant minor writing slip-ups, it seems, but got, quite frankly, used to them over the last few seasons. Some nice twists this episode. Zack turning out not to be Cassie's killer, which would be lame, and him getting killed by the brain surgeon. No, I'll read that again. I've completely misread that. (laughs) I'm reading a lot of these emails completely fresh. (laughs) So bear with me. Uh, I'll try that again, Tom. Some nice twists this episode. Zack turning out not to be Cassie's killer, which would be lame. And him getting killed by the brain surgeon. There we go. (laughs) I guess the writing isn't that horrible after all. On the other hand, though, I don't want this storyline to last all the way to the last episode. I also want to kind of compare Breaking Bad with Dexter. Now, writing on Dexter often has some major faults, which is not really something you can say about Breaking Bad, but the latter was never as thrilling for me as Dexter sometimes is, and simply that it makes it and simply that makes it better. Also, I don't get the hype on Breaking Bad. From its very beginning I feel like it was a decent show, but not nearly as good as everyone around seems to think it is. Thanks, Tom. I guess there's personal preference there. For me, Breaking Bad is just about flawless in most respects it's been one of the most consistently good shows 
ever for me. Um, Dexter has produced some wonderful moments of television that I will always remember. Um, but it's not been as consistent as Breaking Bad for me. But I guess it depends what you what you look for in a TV show, whether you want uh, thrills and spills or whether you want that long, slow build-up of tension um, with, with sudden moments of, of great payoff, which Breaking Bad gives us. I guess there's no counting for tastes, and, you know, we're all different. Jacob Newman emails to say, Too bad, I was just starting to like Zach. He had some good lines in this episode and was showing promise as a student. The brain surgeon is back. We all knew that it wasn't Yates, and I suspected right away. I suspected right away that it was Dr. Vogel. The question now is who is her accomplice? She does not have the strength to hoist that guy on a hook. My guess is that her psychopathic sidekick is Oliver. He lied to Quinn about seeing Zack and also lied about his relationship with Cassie. Cassie told Deb that she didn't have feelings for Oliver and was interested in Dexter. Back to Vo back to Dr. Vogel. She's crazy and has been manipulating Dexter from the beginning. I think that she is the ultimate psychopath with no emotions. She revealed in this episode that her motivation is boredom. What her endgame is, I don't know. Dexter must know that she killed Zack and will confront her next week. A much better episode. Good acting by Sam Underwood. The story is moving on. Hannah is going to stay. I could see that one coming. I didn't think that Dexter would or could let her go. It's obvious that they genuinely love each other. And I wonder if they'll be able to live happily ever after. Probably not. End of Act 2. I think that the final act will be good. Thanks very much, Jacob. You know, as I read more and more of your guys' um, feedback, you are presenting increasingly strong arguments for Dr. Vogel being a psychopath. Uh, you mentioned there, Jacob, about her lack of emotions. Um, she did seem a bit scared when Yates had her in captivity, though. And even when she was trying to turn the tables, you could still tell that she was absolutely shitting herself. Um, but I remember her reaction to when Dexter killed Yates. She was completely unflapped. Completely. I mean, like I said at the time, any normal person would have gone, Holy Jesus! Um, <laughs> I know I would. And that may have been a tame prediction of what my reaction would have been. <laughs> um, I think I would have turned the air blue. So maybe she's more psychopath. Maybe she's more of a psychopath than I've been giving her credit for. Hello again, Gareth. Well, I didn't take up yoga last week, but I kept chanting "Trust the Show," less because I believed what I was chanting, and more to just try and convince myself. I did feel somewhat more justified after my rant when I heard your podcast and after listening to the Two Guys Talking cast, they really slammed it too, so I wasn't alone. My anger was directed mainly at what seemed like so much wasted time and that lack of a last season feeling. After last night, I was happy, relieved, and eager to believe in the show again. High five to everyone who kept arguing that the brain surgeon was still out there. It had been left so long I really thought that it could be over, even if it didn't make much sense. My new theory is this. All the loose plot points, drop storylines, and red herring of the past three seasons were all part of a long con, so that the viewer would just write off the brain surgeon as shoddy writing as well. Probably not. That'd be giving them a little too much credit. The net is closing in on Dexter, just like those early seasons. 
and he avoided detection back then. But because this is the last season, there's a chance he might not slip the net this time. Not only is there the danger that Dexter's aware of, the brain surgeon actively tormenting him and Vogel, but there's also the dangers he doesn't know about. Elway tracking Hannah now, and Quinn still on the trail of Zach. I've always especially relished the dangers that Dexter's unaware of. Those plot complications in past seasons made me squirm in my seat and exclaim, Oh shit! It was well-written dramatic irony, where we the audience know something that he doesn't know. And it is exciting writing. And I'm back on the edge of my seat, waiting for next week. I'm on board, I think, for Dr. Vogel's husband being the brain surgeon. There's been a couple subtle references, including last night's dinner for psychopaths. By subtle, of course, I mean in the same way that Dr. Geller's secret was unveiled back in season six. I'm not sure I would have picked up on something as early in the season if I hadn't been listening to podcasts. Although it would seem to blow away your economy of characters theory, because I don't think we've seen anybody this season that could be her husband. I'm resisting spoiling myself by checking any casting on IMDb as well. I wonder what Deb going back to the Force will mean for her new relationship with Dexter. Can she really just turn a blind eye to what he's doing? And what will, what would she do when the Force or herself, they find evidence that point directly at her brother? She just let Hannah go, a woman she has white-hot hatred for, all for Dexter. Part of me thinks the writers want to end the season with the chance to spin a new series, or maybe a movie in a few years. So I'm beginning to doubt my initial thoughts that Dexter or Deb has to die. In the end, I guess it's just a hopeful sign that I care again, and I'm trying to figure out the end game. It matters again. I am, it seems, a sucker for the show after all, and not unlike Deb, I'm willing to give Dexter yet another chance. Thanks for your quality podcast, Gareth, and your heroic efforts in keeping your listeners and Facebook followers spoiler-free. Bye-bye. Thanks, Deanna. You're very welcome. Really good, thoughtful voicemail there. You know, you know, I wonder if our thoughts on Oliver working with Vogel are perhaps misguided. Perhaps, I mean, it's still possible, but perhaps he's a red herring and Vogel is actually in cahoots with her husband. I know we've thrown that theory out there before, but we've been entertaining the notion that Oliver is the brain surgeon. Maybe Vogel to begin with. Maybe she genuinely didn't know what her husband was doing and he's just turned up mid-season, albeit off-camera and we haven't seen it. The song, for me, is the big tie-in, but we'll see what unfolds. Moving back to the emails, Nick Henderson from the 4Player podcast. Uh, he's emailed in to say, Since I'm a little behind with my feedback this season, let me just start by saying that, all in all, this season has been a bit hit or miss for me. It got off to a really strong start with Deb's PTSD and the brain surgeon killer, but like season 7, it suffered from a really rocky middle act. The last, the last four episodes have been slow, sloppy, and in all honesty, oh, excuse me, sorry, uh, a little boring. The intensity has not yet kicked in, which is a shame considering we only have four episodes of the show left. Ever. 
Luckily, with the death of Zach Hamilton this week and the return of the brain surgeon, the end game seems to be finally coming together. On the topic of the brain surgeon, I loved how they handled him in the early episodes, but I honestly was kind of astonished that the writers expected the audience to believe that Yates was the real killer. You and me both, Nick. Nick says his MO was all wrong, and he was honestly too stupid to be the brain surgeon. What an obvious red herring. With that said, I think they found the proper moment to reintroduce him and set Dexter on track to have a memorable big bad for the finale. Despite being another rehashed plotline, Dexter taking on a pupil, I found Zack to be a fun addition to the series. He was suave, funny, and I found him to be quite likeable. It's a shame that he was introduced so late and dispatched too early. I wish they had introduced him in Season 7 and given him some time to develop before finally sending him on his way. Watching him make rookie mistakes was hilarious and reminded me of the tone that the show had back in the early days. I will honestly miss him quite a bit. On Hannah, the extreme loathing for this character has been demonstrated by some of the more vocal fans out there, especially on sites like Dexter Daily, and it baffles me. I enjoy Hannah's character and honestly think she is the only chance at a happy ending that Dexter has. She comes across to me as genuine, and I don't believe for one second that she is as cold-blooded and heartless as some people seem to believe that she is. She seems perfectly capable of feeling love and regret, two feelings she should feel in equal measure given her feelings for Dexter and her past with Deborah. Yeah, you make a good case there, Nick. Very good. I wonder if your words will maybe start to persuade some of the Hannah haters. Nick goes on to say, This episode specifically was a step up from the last two for me. It featured some much-needed comic relief with Zack's kill room, the awkward family dinner, and some good scenes between Dexter and Hannah. Oh, and that sex scene. Jesus. Scenes like this aren't usually as drawn out if it wasn't important, so I'm calling it now. Dexter knocked up Hannah. It was still somewhat sloppy in its execution, but the final reveal that the brain surgeon was alive and kicking served, served as a much-needed slap on the ass for this season. I'll end with a theory. I think... All evidence points to Saxon as the brain surgeon, Oliver Saxon. I think he will have a connection to Vogel, probably a son or former patient, and I think we will learn that he has a personal vendetta against Dexter thanks to the attention he gets from Vogel. Just a guess on my part, but I don't think the writers were too clever in their attempts to throw us off this season. Thanks very much, Nick. On to another regular emailer, Mike Lanich, who uh, you guys will remember as a, a guest on the podcast before. He writes, So, as most of us already figured out, the brain surgeon wasn't Yates after all. And we're now left with at least one provocative question heading into the final few episodes. Who is really the brain surgeon? Was Yates ever really the brain surgeon, or did he possibly have his own protégé? I think we can all agree that it has to be someone we've met before this season, and I'm wondering if Sean Patrick Flannery was brought in as a bit of a red herring regarding who the brain surgeon could be. I'm still convinced he killed El Sapo and took the jewels, and that this will be his big reveal before his probable demise, so I'm backing Cassie's former boyfriend, Oliver. I got a whiff of something that reminded me of season one last week when Zack and Dexter ran into Cassie and Oliver. They greeted one another, and Oliver and Cassie appeared to be headed out on a great day, then she died. I remember for a few seconds thinking oddly bad luck for Oliver that he just started dating this beautiful woman only to have her die a few weeks into their relationship. But looking back, I have to say that if Oliver is indeed the brain surgeon, the whole relationship with Cassie reminds me of Brian using his relationship with Deb in order to get close to Dexter. 
Doesn't it seem a bit odd that Oliver just started dating Cassie, has met Dexter a couple of times and now she's dead? There was no sign of forced entry into Cassie's apartment, which means she probably knew whoever killed her. The brain surgeon went to great lengths in order to frame Zack for Cassie's death. Some other things jump out at me as well. Oliver appears to be in about as good shape as Dexter does. He's tall, lean and strong, which he would need to be in order to carry his victims. If Vogel or any other female were involved, it would have to be a pairing of killers doing this dirty work. Also, when shown a picture of Zack by Quinn this week, he admitted to thinking Zack looked familiar, but I didn't buy it. He met Zack, but why admit it when you're going to kill him? Some may be convinced that Vogel is the killer due to her taking Zack home and holding the glass with his brain inside, but again, I think it's a red herring. Upon a second viewing, Vogel appears stunned and frightened, not triumphant and elated. She calls Dexter, not knowing if it's his brain he's hold she's holding. The killer has to be pretty strong to be able to carry that kind of dead weight, and Vogel looks like a frail bird sometimes. You know, Mike, I don't know if she looked stunned or excited. I, I, I didn't pick up either of those things. To me, and I've not rewatched that moment before I record these thoughts, but she just looked kind of blank, just kind of looking at the at the sample, which could be ambiguous, I, I'll grant you that. Uh, so maybe we can't draw uh, definite conclusions from this. Mike goes on to say, I think we've all been disappointed that this whole season hasn't been a wild race after Dexter, and I agree that the walls haven't been closing in nearly as fast as I would have liked, but at least we're finally getting a killer that could very well be a surprise at the end. It's been a great many years since we've had that on this show. Another note, I know comparing Breaking Bad and Dexter is unfair because the shows are different, other than being about two particularly dark protagonists. However, I think what makes Breaking Bad so good is that the writing, pacing, narrative structure and focus are so pitch perfect, it's simply mesmerising to behold. To be honest, we haven't had seasons with all four of those qualities simultaneously since the Clyde Phillips era. Was it just me, or was that the steamiest sex scene Dexter's had? It's something considering some of the great sex scenes with Julie Benz in the first few seasons. If Quinn makes a move with Deb at some point, does Elway go into a jealous rage and take him down? Also, I know it seems a bit odd, but I can't help but feel a little weird that Nikki got the job so easily. I hope I'm wrong that there is going to be some big twist with her. She has quite a bit of access to computers, evidence, and she's doing the paperwork for Dexter. Could make trouble if she's indeed pulling a scam. I can't help but feel that Lewis was indeed meant for the role of the brain surgeon. I could totally see him being the killer had he found a way to stay throughout the series. Thanks, Mike. Your comment about Lewis there. That's an interesting one. Um, although Michael C. Hall has said that he did squash a, a proposed plotline of Lewis becoming a copycat killer to Dexter. Um, so this would have been a, a deviation from that, perhaps, as a straight copycat. Uh, but Mike emailed in with another email, um, and he writes this, I'm getting this weird feeling that beyond finding out who the brain surgeon is and any motives and secrets Elway's harbouring, there has to be something else. I can't get beyond the fact that Hannah left Dexter a black orchid on his doorstep at the end of last season. That doesn't symbolise anything particularly good. To me, that said, I'll be waiting in the wings to get revenge. Hannah could have had her husband killed in plenty of ways, or by other people to get the same result as what she asked Dexter to do. So why come back? Revenge, pure and simple. I think this whole thing has been one big setup from the moment she left Dexter's doorstep last season. She took her time, she waited and now has her big chance. I think it's a big act, this whole being in love again. Awfully convenient that she's simply forgotten the betrayal. 
No, she's like a spider in the dark, ready to strike at the right moment. Debbie's her target, and she's going to make sure that when she does strike, the pain it causes Dexter will be like nothing he could ever have imagined. Last season, she nearly killed Deb. This season, I think she's back to make sure she gets it right this time. Not with a poison, but with a knife. Wow, Mike. That's, that's an interesting prediction. I hope not. <laughs> I really do. But um, we'll see. Sandra in Germany has uh, called in with this. They told me this would never happen But now it's happening to me I never thought that it could Never ever believed it would But you were right and I was wrong I doubted you Hi Gareth, I am so glad I was wrong. After being burned in season 5 and 6, I really thought that the writers had just dropped the brain surgeon storyline. When it was revealed in this episode that the brain surgeon is still at work, I jumped in my seat and even screamed a little. Yeah, the finale train is finally gaining speed. Just keep the fire burning now. One thing I was right about was Cassie. Zack did not kill her. But I don't suspect creepy Oliver anymore, who wanted a life with her after only a few dates. He doesn't know anything about Zack, so why should he place his DNA on the crime scene? This looks more like an insider job. An insider who has to prove he was right and should have gotten the promotion. Man, Will Quinn be pissed at Dexter when his planted DNA does not show in the lab notes? More peril for Dexter. We can assume now that the brain surgeon is connected to Vogel's dark secret from the past. She hinted at that during the family dinner. It was funny how the killer family started to grow during the day. Now some of my thoughts on this episode. When Hannah asked Dexter what names he has for her, I could only think Tooth Fairy, Tooth Fairy. Thanks, Travis. Nikki in the lab. Not really relaxing to know that you do not need any qualifications to work in a crime lab. <laughs> Disturbing Apple product placement with the Passport photo app and the iPad used by Deborah. Zack's Plastic Palace, a comic relief moment. A three-year-old drawing zombies. Dexter is a terrible father. And the most disturbing scene, an image that is burned into my brain now forever. Dexter has sex with his socks on. That really took me out of the moment. I am now really looking forward to the next episode. We are not there yet. I'm sorry I did. That thing that I did that made you mad 
I'm sorry I said that thing that I said that made you sad. When I saw you cry. Thanks, Sandra. You're the second person to suggest Quinn planting evidence at Cassie's scene. And your Tooth Fairy reference was great. I bet Travis is still giggling as I speak. Back to the emails, Daniel Hawley in Australia says, I really enjoyed this episode. I need to repeat the mantra, trust the show, to get me through the flat spots. What a funny family Dexter, Hannah and Zach and Dr Vogel make. I just love those scenes. What a shame Zach's dead because I was just starting to like him. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a big fan of Deb. But she's becoming too whiny and almost annoying. If she goes back to the police force, will she let herself be compromised again? I don't think so. So there could be a huge implication on Deb and Dexter's relationship. Maybe she'll find her independence and strength instead of always looking for a crutch, to escape, a crutch or escape. I'm so glad the brain surgeon was not the toe-crushing guy. It does reflect badly on the show that so many of us were willing to accept it as a dead storyline. Have you noticed that orchids are everywhere? Hotel rooms, Cassie's flat, etc. Ever since Hannah appeared last season, I see one nearly every episode. Maybe they're a favourite with a set designer. Thanks, Danielle. Uh, Steve Alice emailed to say, I was catching up on your review of episode 6 when you floated the idea of a Zack spin-off. Well, bang goes that idea. Back comes my original thoughts on the good Doctor. Clearly she's involved, and what was thought to be so obvious is now not so obvious as the picture of Zack's cut head and the jar in her hand explains who has been at the root of everything. Dexter is her pawn right now, and clearly he'll be going after her. Hannah is also a problem for Dexter, because she will be connected to Dexter eventually, and of course Deb's boss, or should that be former boss, is on her trail. And she's staying in Miami, it's only a matter of time before she and Dexter are connected. Deb seems to be back to how she was before she discovered Dexter's secret. Looks like she's returning to uniform. Her returning to work can only mean curtains for Jamie and Quinn, as clearly as the latter wants Deb, and always has. There is still the smoking gun in Dexter's apartment, the bloody, cuddly toy which will no doubt come back to haunt Dexter in the future. Thanks, Steve. Oh, and thanks, Sandra. Did I say thank you for your voicemail? I'm not very organised today, I am sorry. Sandy and Ireland emailed to say, I can see that they're trying to build up the tension with the way they ended this week's episode, but to be honest, I can't be bothered at all at this stage. I can't be the only one, surely. It's so dull at the moment, I even had a mad moment and went looking for those pictures that you got. Don't send them on. <laughs> Maybe it was a good thing that I couldn't find them. I don't know, I just want to find out what's going to happen now. Running out of patience with the slow season. Wake up writers and give us something to write about next week. The podcast is still great though. Thanks, Sandy. First time emailer from Asim Ishmael in Birmingham, who says, The title of this episode has a double meaning, I've concluded. At one level, it's the junk that kids come out with five minutes after you've left the house on a long journey, and on another, it's a desperate call from those watching the show for it to get to the point. That said, I actually enjoyed most of what went on this episode. Asim goes on to share some similar thoughts to a lot of us about Zach, before saying, if Vogel has a multiple personality disorder and she's the brain surgeon, then that doesn't entirely make sense, because we saw someone else deliver the brain gift to her door earlier in the season. So that leaves Joey, Oliver... Or Elway, unless you want something really off the wall, like Batista or Tom Matthews. Uh, Asim, I think you're forgetting uh, Mr. Vogel as well, that's, uh, that's been mentioned, but we haven't met. Uh, Asim goes on to say, Joey's never exhibited any above-average intelligence, and usually much less, so that would be a major shark jump for this writer. 
Elway does have a short fuse and seemingly no personal relationships outside work, but it's becoming somewhat late in the day to put him centre stage. That leaves Oliver, who lied about having never seen or met Zach. That would be a fine irony for Debs, who told Cassie to date Oliver and stay away from Dex. To be honest, I don't like any of those choices, but it's far too late to introduce a character we've never met. I'd suggest what the twist... Sorry, I've not read that right. <laughs> what the twist also showed was how easily convinced they were that they'd caught the brain surgeon. And Hassam again echoes a lot of our thoughts about that. He says, Dexter is now moving into that show-defining phase where they'll either deliver something magical where all the pieces drop into place or that they'll offer up a solution that manages to piss off just about everyone. Thanks, Hassam. Some good thoughts. Hey, my name's Romulo Molina. I'm calling from uh, ah, the beautiful... Winter Haven, Florida. It's another little small town in between um, Tampa and Orlando. Anyways, uh, just started listening to your podcast at the beginning of uh, this uh, last season of Dexter, and I just I'm, I'm always on my uh, phone waiting for that next podcast to come in. So uh, just decided to call in for this one, um, this last episode of Dexter, which was, I think, one of my favorites, um, had a lot of things tied. It, it felt like the the lock was opened finally uh, for what Dexter is. Um, you know, I I kind of agree with everything that's been going on with um, you know how the slow pace of how uh, the season's been going. But also, in a way, I kind of enjoy it. I kind of... It, usually, Dexter kind of comes in and just blows our minds right away. And then kind of just slows it down a little bit to then give us um, what we were expecting at the end of the season. So it, this time, I think it's going in the way of what you would expect, uh, let's say, a movie. Um, it's got a slow start, and then it starts speeding up, and then finally at the end, got the home stretch, and we're ready to go. So I've enjoyed the way Dexter is going. I think we're finally getting to where the home stretch is, where things are starting to get wild. But anyways, um, I love this last episode. It was great. There was so much information. It just kept popping one right after the other. There was no pause. Everything was just going. And the last, you know, of course, the last few minutes of it was the first time this season where I went to bed and I woke up thinking of Dexter, the show. My wife went to bed a little startled for the first time this season. Um, which, you know, she says she hasn't felt that yet watching Dexter. She's watched every single season. And I think myself, um, there was no tense buildup, but there was just a moment of, uh, I don't know what, whoa, whoa. But anyways, that's my thoughts. Um, enjoy the podcast. Uh, and I am a first-time caller, so I don't really go through all the details, but... Just my initial reaction to the show and how it's working, uh, you know, I really do enjoy it. Um, and also the the brain surgeon thing kind of ties in the whole season again. So it feels like we're really starting to get this going. So I just can't wait for the next episode. Anyways, thanks so much. Bye-bye.
Hey Gareth, it's Chris from Georgia.、Uh, this is my first、uh, message this season. Not because I haven't been listening to the podcast; I've listened to it every week, and I think you're doing a wonderful job. But because I really, this is the first episode I've been able to have something I feel like I I want to say about the episode that I can verbalize in a way that'll make any sense.、Um, this is the first. I mean, obviously, it's the last episode with Zach. Uh, a character whose involvement this season has been、uh, interesting, to say the least. It's kind of divided the community. Some people have hated the idea of this new protege character and found him annoying. Other people have loved him.、Uh, I personally kind of walked that line every episode until this one. This is the first episode where I felt like, and maybe it's by design, that I connected with Zach. That I could almost see Zach. Being the lead character in a Dexter spinoff, not that I thought that they were going to go that way, but that I could almost visualize it, or I could visualize a season nine with Zach and Dexter in it together, particularly after the、uh, the car scene with him and Hannah and, and all that.、Uh, and so I found it. I mean, maybe other people saw it coming, but I found it very shocking、uh, when Dexter finds Zach Sands' back of head in his apartment. I think we were all. Letting out a sigh of relief when we found out the brain surgeon was indeed out there, because I, like you, found it very, very unbelievable that Yates was the brain surgeon at all. It seemed lazy writing, and so I, I, I was at a moment relieved that that storyline is coming back in a, in a strong way, and also shocked and and actually saddened by the loss of Zach because, you know, it's difficult to build a character in such a small arc that's able to. Draw the audience into really caring about them, particularly when you're dealing with another psychopath that's not our dear Dexter that we've had、uh, eight seasons to get to know and love. But I feel like this episode, for me, was able to bring Zach to that full circle and actually make me care and like this character and want to see more of him, and to have him just ripped away in such a, a violent and kind of unexpected manner. I think is wonderful storytelling. This season, if I can have one complaint of the final season, and I don't want to have any because I'm such a big Dexter fan, I want this final season to be perfect.、Um, you know, I can't make my final decision because it's not over yet. But I feel like the pacing has been kind of—I won't say slow, but it's felt like a normal season of Dexter. It's felt like Dexter season eight to be followed by Dexter season nine. I haven't felt that feeling of impending finality or frenetic energy that I really. Wanted to feel. I mean, the best comparison I can make is to any viewers、uh, that also watch Breaking Bad. You know, it's come back for its final eight episodes, and and from the get go, you felt this pressure, this racing towards the end that I think Dexter has been lacking. And I think this episode, and more importantly, kind of starting with that scene, really. Feels like it's setting into play an endgame for Dexter. I mean, we've only got what is it, four episodes left until the end of the season. That's not many at all. It's four hours of Dexter until it's all over. Personally, I don't know how they're going to wrap it up in four episodes, but I feel like that this event is the catalyst for that. I feel like they're finally starting to ramp up into you know their endgame, as it were. I feel like they've been moving the chess pieces into place all season long, and this is maybe the finally the the springing of the mouse trap. To mix game references,、um, I just kind of wish, perhaps, that the mousetrap would have been sprung earlier in the season. Maybe not episode one, but 
maybe the first third of the season. I would have liked to have had maybe more end game, I guess. I mean, I, it's hard to say without having fully seen what they're going to do with it, but I feel like I would have liked to have seen more end game. You know, but I I have high hopes for the rest of the season. Um, I'm excited where it's going now. I'm I'm sad to lose Zach, but I think it's a wonderful catalyst, and it's really reeled me back in in a way that I was really hoping the show was going to do. So I look forward to next episode of Dexter, and of course the next episode of dissecting Dexter. And uh, yeah, thanks very much, Gareth. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Chris. Great to have a new voice on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we've had a what might be a catalyst for for events to now spiral out of control. Yes, I, I think it was constructed this week for us to care more about Zach. This episode that is so that his death would have a greater impact on us. Uh, back to the emails. Teresa in Melbourne says, "I really enjoyed this episode. One of my favourites, I think." I sometimes wonder why all the negativity about the show lately, if I should listen to the feedback and thoughts of others and instead just watch the show for pure entertainment value. But I do nonetheless. I had a few laughs during this episode. And uh, Teresa goes through some of the points that jumped out at her from the episode that that made her chuckle. Uh, And then she says, The season really started to hit its stride and I feel there is plenty of tension as the show ramps up towards the end. I enjoyed Hannah and Dex this week too, although I'm feeling very anxious for Dexter now that he's asked, asked Hannah to stay. And of course, just as I was enjoying Zach, he's gone. So, who's the brain surgeon? And there was that tune again. Thanks for your great prog- podcast, Gareth. I've been enjoying listening for quite some time now. Thanks very much, Teresa. Staying in Australia. There's been a big Australian flavour this week. That's good. Uh, Tim says, Gareth, I thought this was a big improvement on recent episodes. I agree the show had lost a bit of momentum lately, but this is the game-changer the season really needed. I have a feeling that this is the real beginning of the end in terms of entering the final stretch of the season. I just want to touch on a few points. Firstly, Hannah. Overall, I like her as a character, but I have to say she was far more interesting last season. She had more of a focus and a motive last year. This season has relegated her to a damsel in distress that Dexter has to help out and rescue. She worked better when she was a danger, not just tagging along with Dexter and sharing romantic dialogue that would even have George Lucas reaching for a bucket. If she sticks around, I hope they give her more of an edge for the remainder of the season. Her best episode was the final one last season. Now to Zack. Until this week, I couldn't wait until Dex killed this guy. I thought he was a creepy little brat with zero charisma that was in need of some Dexter-style dismembering. Strangely, I thought his personality was completely different in this episode, and by the end, I'd suddenly decided he was a pretty cool character. As soon as this happened, he got himself killed. At least this episode redeemed Zack a bit as a character, which is a good thing. Despite this, I'm still kind of glad he's gone so we can focus on our main players for the endgame of the show. As for the brain surgeon, it has to be someone from Vogel's past, isn't it? Maybe the husband she name-dropped a couple of episode, episodes back, or someone related to the incident she mentioned that instigated her career. So, for the first time in a couple of weeks, in a couple of episodes, I can't wait for next week. My major complaint so far this season has been the lack of a real nemesis for Dex to have to deal with. Maybe the brain surgeon will prove a great adversary. P.S. Not even going to mention the ashes. Thanks very much, Tim. Um, yeah... Well, I'm not one to gloat, so no, we won't mention the ashes. (laughs) Sorry, mate. And we close out this week's feedback with an unusually restrained voicemail from our friend Travis. 
Coming this fall to the CW, it's Dex in the City, the series about a serial killer family man who struggles to balance his own murderous needs with the more mundane needs of his friends and family, all while trying to keep his dark secrets from those closest to him. Just kidding, the show is about a guy who only kills people if the women in his life ask him to, everything comes easily to him, and he's totally in super serious once-in-a-lifetime love with the super interesting and complex Hannah McKay. Meet Dexter Morgan. He's got everything. Vast sums of disposable income, a job he never actually has to go to, the most low-maintenance toddler in the world. But does any of it actually mean anything if he doesn't have a woman in his life? He's just one lovesick puppy dog who's desperate to find Mrs. Wright. Then there's Zach Hamilton. He's Dexter's spiritual son who flops back and forth between creepy, intense killer to lovably affable teenage goofball. He's not bright enough to figure out to wear gloves when he's committing a murder, or to not leave a paper trail, or that there's a, even a razor blade taped to the bottom of his car door handle. But Dexter insists he's a fast learner and a good student. Dexter's also got a real son and two stepkids who love him. But, you know, whatever. Next up is Hannah McKay. She's hot, hot, hot. She's Dexter's sexy soulmate. She's incredibly hot. She's apparently a strong, competent female who can take care of herself and can outmaneuver even the toughest of foes. But if the occasion arises, she can victimize herself and become the weak damsel that Dexter must come to the aid of time and again. She's played by Yvonne Strahovski. Have I mentioned that she's hot? If there's another reason for anyone to like her character, I'd like to hear it because I don't think it exists. She's hot! And finally, there's Deborah Morgan. She's Dexter's complicated sister. She's been close to Dexter her whole life and has even murdered an innocent woman for him. Despite all of that, she doesn't seem to care when Dexter continually betrays her trust or even puts her life or the life of his son at risk. She's able to kick drug habits and psychosis in the span of a single episode. Her boss, Elway, insists she's the best private eye he's ever worked with, even though we've never seen her solve a case or even work on one. She even drives all the way from Miami to the Keys to arrest a fugitive, but is convinced to give up after a 40-second conversation. But that's the way we like it. Who would ever want an obstacle to stand in the way of Dexter finding true love? Separate, each of these characters are exciting and worthy of their own series. But put them together and you've got the feel-good matchup of the century. Still not convinced the show is the greatest? Let's take a sneak peek at the newest episode. In this first scene, Dexter's nanny's new best friend has just been murdered brutally. The acting on the show is phenomenal. Here's the nanny talking to the police. Cassie was a good person. Whoa, did anybody else get chills? Let's hear that one again. Cassie was a good person. Who should bother producing fake tears when you have a delivery like that? And the laughs won't end when we see what Nikki Masuka is doing in the Miami Metro Forensics Lab. What on earth is your daughter doing? She's just clearing the bad murder juju out of the lab. <laughs> How hilarious is that? That's totally believable behavior for a grown adult in a professional workplace environment. But don't have a cow, man. Here comes Zach with everyone's favorite and most original catchphrase. Are we there yet? Ay caramba, you can eat my shorts if that hilarious catchphrase isn't being said by every American this time next year. Here's a scene with all of our favorite characters together. Dexter Morgan walks in on Hannah and Deb in a standoff and is later joined by young heartthrob Zach.
Oh, you're both still breathing. That's a good sign. What are you doing here? I came here for her. You better have a GPS. I put it under your fucking car. You what? I knew you wouldn't stay away from her. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? Okay, I want to know. I don't want to know anything else ever. She's your problem now. Dude. I'm sorry. You got girls fighting over you? these writers not won any major awards yet. But I'm not mentioning the best part of the series, the romance of our two leads, Hannah and Jaxter. They share many timeless scenes together with unforgettable dialogue, like this one. Enter the whiskey bottle. I noticed it this morning. I was so glad to see it because it reminded me of you. Now if that ain't so sweet, it makes sugar taste like salt. Well, how about this? And really, when you're lying in bed at night and I happen to cross your mind, what do you call me? Hannah. Aww. You're just Hannah. Stunned silence you hear is the sound of the power of true love permeating every fiber of the scene. Or have a listen to these two dialogue exchanges. Why did you marry him? Because he was there when you weren't. Why did you change your mind? Because the moment that I saw you there unconscious, I realized that despite the shitty way that it all ended, you were it for me, Dexter. I've never felt that way about anyone before since you're the only person that I can be that honest with. Is that dialogue ripped straight from the number one hit summer blockbuster, Vampire Teen Angst in Love? No, that's from the new show Dex in the City coming this fall. Season 7 ended with Dexter realizing that he can't be with another killer because there will always be an issue of trust and that Deborah is his closest ally. But why don't we throw all that out the window because we all know love can cure all ailments, mental or otherwise. Is it the love of the woman with whom you sired a child? Or the love of the child himself? Or how about the love of your sister that's been with you through thick and thin? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. The only acceptable answer is the love of the most beautiful woman in Miami who was just way too sexy to kill when she was on your kill table. If you could find a gorgeous but otherwise bland and unremarkable woman who will let you put your dick in her, then brother, you can move a mountain and get over any murderous urges that you've had instilled in you since time immemorial. That's the subtext of this entire series. So we hope you'll tune in to Dax in the City, airing this fall on The CW, premiering right after the newest episode of Angie Miller, Police Sergeant Extraordinaire. Thanks very much, Travis. Some very good points in there, as always. Um, and I hope your throat isn't as sore as it was when... Uh, I hope it's recovered from recording this, because it sounds like you probably ended up with a sore throat after all that. <laughs> Great work, my friend. 
Okay, thanks everybody for emailing and calling in this week. If you want to contact me, you're always welcome in the US. The listener line is 646-222-6122. And in the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. There's email, dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send a voice recording, MP3, uh, any kind of voice recording format you wish to throw at me. Uh, there's Twitter, at Dissect Dexter, and the Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Dissecting Dexter. And that's it for this week, guys. Uh, I'll keep it this end bit very short and sweet because my lunch hour is up. Um, and I don't want to be late back in, so... <laughs> Uh, thanks again for your support as always uh, and until we dissect some more Dexter together which won't be long thanks again, take care, speak to you soon <laughs>